now. It's just part of the series we happen to be we happen to have been speaking about the attributes of God. But over the last several months, for all of you who've been here, it's all part of the big heading, getting to know God. Right? I started this this whole series off with if if we could just for a moment go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because you're going to see everything I sp we speak about today all stems from this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Remember, Romans 11 just laid down all kinds of doctrine. It laid down the gospel message. He points out every, every one of the most important things God has done for us in and through Christ. Right? He's given us faith. We believe in him. We're justified. Right? He died for our sins. He took the wrath of God in our place. We have eternal life, right? He loves us. He's, he's poured that out. He's demonstrated his love for us, and he's imputed us with the righteousness of Christ. He gets to chapter 12 now. Practicality. Now, Romans 12. I beseech you, right? I plead with you, brethren. You therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, as I said before, according to, because of the mercies, but also by the mercies of God, because he helps us to do this. He's given us his Holy Spirit. But by the mercies of God, according to, because of everything he's done for us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, right? So to live righteously, to live for him, to, to desire and, and strive to do righteousness, to be pleasing unto him in our lives, right? And why? Which is your reasonable service. So this is not something that's hard. This is not something that he's saying, well, this is a question mark. You know, this is, this is something that maybe you should do. Or like some will teach, well, this is something that maybe you do if you're in a higher order of the Christian life. No, he said it's your reasonable service. In other words, a way to see it to be like, you know, really, you know, mean as some people call us, right? You're stupid not to. If you think the Christian life means that God's okay with you living sinfully, that's foolishness. He hates sin. He crushed his son because of sin. He still hates it. God has not changed. But he has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us a new man, right? But he also gives us a responsibility, right? Live for me. And he tells us how. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about that. That's through the word of God, right? By getting to know him, by getting to know about him, by getting to know what pleases him and displeases him. It's the same way as I know what pleases and displeases my wife. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I know. You know, and, it, you know, and I, didn't, I know her a lot better now than I did 30 years ago. I know that I know the Lord, and I know that his word, and I know his character much better than I did 35 years ago. But be transformed. That means completely metamorphized, right? But that's what it is. By the renewing of your mind, that we may prove, we may test out, we may come to know 
what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Not just the will of God, right? The will of God, right, in all his word, but also we remember we compass that throughout scripture. When it talks about being filled with the spirit, right, and walking in the spirit, what does that mean, right? As you consistently fill yourself up with the word of God, right? Because that's how he directs us and leads us and guides us and transforms us and brings out those living, living water within us. Right, that is there within us, but we have a responsibility to cultivate that. Right, we can't just take this thing. There, there it goes, you know, and we we just got everything. And it's something doesn't mean you just read it to know, but the more and more you read it, you'll know. I say that to say this. So we've been talking about right knowing God, and the more we know God, think about it. Right, we've talked about that. The more we understand God, know everything He's done for us, the more we appreciate. The, the depths of his love for us, the easier it is for us to live for him, right? The, the more we'll feel, you know, we'll, we'll feel moved, like when we, maybe we're tempted, right? Well, that temptation becomes easier to bear and turn away from because he does help us when we realize, oh my, what am I doing, I can't, I can't do that to the Lord who died for me. I can't do that to my father, Abba, who crushed his son for me. I say that to say all of this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to change this a little. We've been talking about the attributes of God, right? It's good to know his internality. He's all-powerful. His sovereignty over all things. But it's important because there's been something that is really causing a stir in our circles. I mean that by saying reformed and our conservative circles. Okay, but Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> We're just going to read a little bit here because, right, the word of God, and then just clarify and help exhort and expound a little bit upon that, what's he saying there. Starting in 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. And remember the New Testament, said, God has not changed. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is how you show you love me. Keep my commandments. <clears throat> For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. That has not changed. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So remember, we're being merciful but at the same time, we must be truthful. We must be completely obedient. Strive to be, right? We're imperfect, right? Amen. And we do struggle, and at times we fall, and we fall short. Amen. Unless it's just me. Well, <laughs> but we do. But this is what we want to strive for. And we see that mercy is always accompanying truth. And by not forgetting his law... Right? We're still merciful. Write them upon the table of thine heart. In other words, you know, let this sink in. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God, man. Now that may seem to be contradictory to this world, right? That we're being truthful with people, but also showing mercy, but we'll find favor and good understanding. Generally speaking, that actually is the rule. To a point. You'll find most of our enemies right now 
or in the so-called visible church. People that are enemies who speak like I do. I've been called, and all the elders here in this church, and maybe even some of you too, I'm sure, if you've talked to them on that, have been called hateful, wicked, even wicked men by other professing Christians. Why? Giving sound biblical counsel for one thing. <clears throat> okay. But here's five. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So what's he saying there? Okay. So, we keep his law, but it means keeping his word. We know what his word says. That word directs us and it guides us. When we acknowledge that, we say, Lord, I will submit to that. And by using what the Bible says as our guide, right, we will not have our worldly wisdom, by worldly wisdom and counsel, cause us to go against our conscience, or, or somehow try to justify doing something that God forbids, but when we go to our own counsel, which God calls worldly counsel foolish, if it disagrees with the Bible, it is worldly, and it is anar, it is demonic. In a sense, it, it is demonic, right? Because, right, Satan and his minions, right, the powers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness in high places, they hate Christ. They hate the Father. They hate his church. They hate us. And there's nothing more than they want to see than have us to be wise in our own eyes. Okay, I say that to say all this. Does anyone here know who Alistair Bag is? He's a leader in the reform movement. He is nearly as popular as John MacArthur. He is looked upon with the same reverence as John MacArthur. And R.C. Sproul was. And others. But I bring up those two names because... MacArthur and Sproul should be, you know, if you're conservative at all, even if you didn't consider yourself reformed, you should know those names. You probably know Alistair Beggs, too. Well, there's a recent tick that's ticked up on uh, YouTube. Back in September, he mentioned while doing an interview on his radio show, Truth for Life, about a new book that he had wrote called The Christian Manifesto. He said that, well, you know, it depends. He was talking about, uh, you know, being loving and forgiving. Now, yeah, that sounds good. And then he said, well, you know, it's really hard because people call something, look, calls, you know, him, pastor, his other pastors there for counsel. And that's a weighty thing. And yes, it is. It is a weighty thing. You know, if someone would call me, ask me for biblical counsel, I consider that a weighty thing. I want to give them what I'm convinced is good counsel. Well, he said this grandmother called up, and she was concerned because her grandson was about to, you know, have, as he said, be married. I don't know if it was him or the other person, but a trans wedding, a transsexual wedding, which is no wedding at all. Wedding is only between a man and a woman, period. The Bible says that. To deny that, it's to be in total rebellion. He said he created the man and woman, right? We all know all that. 
But then she asked, I'm so conflicted. You know, and I get that, right? We all waver and we're coming across that, especially this day and age. It's so strong against us, right? Don't be hateful. Be loving. You know, oh, how are we ever going to reach these homosexuals or these transit? Believe me, transit just did outward even further progression down because of the open acceptance in our society of homosexuality. Let me, it's, it's no different. All you have to do is think it out. It's just common sense. But, so his advice was, well, does he know about your faith in Jesus and because of that, that you can't countenance this wedding? In other words, by countenance, he meant approve of? Well, yes. Well, then my counsel to you is go to this wedding and bring a gift. And he thought this out because he said, now many are not going to like this answer. Now, this is actual biblical counsel that he gave to someone calling him up who was struggling with this issue. And then he told her, well, or, or he just said, I don't know if he told her. I, yeah, I believe he told her because he said in his radio show, because if we show up, how do we know? We might win them over with our love. But by not showing up, then we just affirm to them that we're judgmental and critical and not open to the countenance of anything. By that word countenance, by the way, doesn't mean just the look on our face, a sad countenance, a happy countenance. Countenance in that thing is approval of something. Approval. Okay. First, to say this, and I've listened to about eight or ten different Christian leaders of different levels in the church rebuke him on this. He, held, he has held firm. He does not take it back. He will not walk it back. He's convinced that that was good counsel. Well, he's not. And, and they focus on that rightfully so because, first of all, Yes, there's sin and sin, but at the same fact, you can't go to a wedding. No, it's not a wedding. You can't go to that celebration of a union of something that God has called an abomination. Right? And, then, and some people try to compare it to saying, you know, just like, now, you know, geez, does that mean I shouldn't attend any wedding? No, actually, a man and a woman that aren't believers, maybe they could be even Muslims, Hindus, and that, if they're getting married, yeah, they're not in sin. It is good. It's a common grace of God, right? God's covenant, right? A marriage is one man, one woman, joined in union. There's nothing wrong with that. This goes far above that. This ain't a wedding. This is an open rebellion to God, right? Not only that, it even goes further. It's not just homosexuality, it's trans. That's a person that's even, you know, that, that it is, it's homosexuality, right? They're just saying there's something different than they actually are. By the way, right, they're, they're wanting to rebel against God's open deal on that. And, by, and talk about confusing, too. Now, she says, well, his counsel is always, you know, you don't approve of that, so then go and bring a gift? Well, how does that not say to everyone there, hey, it's okay. Jesus loves you. You know, just continue in your sin. Continue in your open rebellion to God. Okay. Well, I want to say what's underlying that, to me, which is even a much more serious issue because all the reproof that I heard he was given is correct, and he still will stand that homosexuality is a sin 
And is this approved of? And transsexuality is a sin and not approved of. That's true. So then why would he give this advice? He said something else, and I haven't heard one thing about this yet. And he said this. Well, if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and don't understand that he is a king. Okay. If, doesn't the Bible tell us that if they will not believe the scriptures, they will not believe the one rises from the dead? Does not the Bible tell us that, right, the sower went out to sow? He sows that seed. The seed, what is the seed? The seed is the word of God, the gospel. As I start to the gospel, right? Most of that seed, on most of it falls on, right? There's no fruit there. It means there's no salvation there. But on some of that ground, it takes hold. It takes root. And then it bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. In other words, from it, some take that word, and from it, God opens up their eyes, right? They receive it because God has given them to receive it. He opens up their eyes, and they're saved through it. If they will not accept the gospel... They are not going to be won over by you approving of their sin. If anything, one, it will actually pollute your testimony. It'll confuse them, and it'll bring them this other thing that this confusing gospel we have now, this demonic thing that we say God just loves you. It doesn't matter what you do, how you live. In, in a sense, not even what you believe in. Just give Jesus a try. Cross the sin bridge. It's funny, we'll cross the sin bridge. You just said you approve of their sin. You're not going to win anyone over. I'll tell you what this all boils down to is, is part of this thing that we've been raised in with over 100 years now. Friendship evangelism. Or somehow like, well, okay, we, I get it. And I've fallen victim to that too when I was younger. We want to see our loved ones saved. We want to see those that cross our lives that we have, have, we live compassion and mercy and love for. We want them to believe the gospel. We share the gospel, but then they reject it. It's not on us. We can't save them. Let us not compromise the gospel, water it down, completely change it, in order to show more love to the unbeliever, wicked person, than we do unto God. Yes, love your enemies, but not more than you love the Lord Jesus Christ. I said to say this, sharing the gospel literally takes 60 seconds. Do you realize that? If a homosexual person, this has happened, Shar has done this, and they're asking me, what do you think about homosexuality in that? Well, you see, I'm against it. There's an open door there, but before you, before you share that, how about something like this? Well, you see, since I'm a Christian, what I mean by being a Christian, I believe I was, I'm a sinner, like we all are, and that the, that the Son of God came in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died for my sins, was buried, rose again from the dead, and by believing that, I have eternal life in his name, and I'm forgiven before God. There you go. How long does that take? About 20 seconds? You have just shared the gospel with them because did not Paul say, I share unto you what I shared with you from the first. 
right? That Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture, you must mention that. That he was buried. That he rose again from the dead according to the scripture. Right? But that's the gospel. But the gospel is not saying, hey, I believe in God. The gospel is not saying, I believe in Jesus. How are they supposed to know what you're saying? I believe in Jesus. What is that supposed to mean? I have faith in Jesus. If they haven't heard, what do you mean by that? That's, you haven't shared the gospel with them. Sharing your testimony with them is not sharing the gospel with them unless that testimony includes the gospel. I wonder with a lot of these ideas, the way he was saying that, if people see that, if we have friends, family members, that we have shared the gospel with, and our lives are lined with scripture, my personal experiences have been all my old friends and members of my family don't really have much to do with me. Not so fine, the world doesn't. They're nice to me, I'm nice and pleasant to them, but I don't hang around them. You know, we used to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. The, the reason, finally, like the last straw on the back, that was one of them, right? But was there open acceptance of, and a big part of it now in this day, it's a big thing, it's, it's really bought it to a crux. It's homosexuality, and that was then. That's before even this trans thing even got any steam going. But they had accepted letting him come in saying, well, you know, basically it's okay. You can be openly practicing homosexual, and you're still a Christian. You're still saved in that. No. You try to crucify that with the power, by the power of grace of God, right? Just like we would any other sin in our life. Well, now it says... Well, you know, just give Jesus a try. What's that supposed to mean? Give Jesus a try. Give God? Give the God of all eternity, the God of all power, the God of all knowledge and wisdom, the God who is the personification of holiness, whose name is holy, a chance? A try? You believe the gospel. You believe in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you don't. Or you don't. And it's not up to us to try to win them over by our love, because, and in this instance, it's, it's so plain. This is not a matter of Christian liberty. This is not a matter of, well, okay, some unbelievers I know have invited me to supper, you know, but basically... You know, they're outwardly good people. Eh? They don't, they're not openly wicked. Believe me, homosexuality and transsexuality is a very wicked thing. Openly rebelling against God. But, and, and they know my stand. They ask me to come over. That, that could be an honest case of Christian liberty. So you see that. You know, I mean, if they're not living an openly, you know, wicked lifestyle or anything. Or, you know, other other examples, just like, uh, you know, the Bible's example in the church, you know, what people think, well, I can eat some things, you know, or do some things and not others, according to the ceremonial law. If you, you want to, right, that shouldn't be an issue, a division between brethren. But you don't condone, attend, approve of, give a gift to, give a gift to people, creating what God said is an abomination. He says an example. That very example 
according to Jude, of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, was an example for all time to see what God will do to the ungodly. It's a memorial until he changes, until he changes things. Right? It will forever be a memorial. Right? And that's why, because they went after strange flesh. Right? It's not because they were proudful and uh, inhospitable. It started with pride and idleness of bread. Because of that pride, they just grew more and more wicked in their sinfulness. But I say that because he said so many things, and I, I want us to, to catch on this, like building these bridges. You know, I just want to say that if they have rejected the gospel, if they have openly shown defiance, defiance to righteousness, what are we doing trying to win more of our love? Because we use that aspect, and Mike's mentioned it a lot. I just love it and pick it up. I'm going to use it. But if you got a white glove on and you put it in, right, in a mud puddle, in a puddle, it's going to be muddy. I guarantee you, never, and it is impossible for that puddle to become white glovey. Impossible. Just like that, they use, they try to use these this worldly wisdom and kind of twist some things around saying, well, you know, you ever been to that one cave or whatever and you walk in and it's, it's just pitch dark, you can't see anything. And then you strike a match. And look, it lights up everything. So you need to be around all this wickedness because you walk in and you're a light that shines. The Bible does not say that. The Bible does have that story in it about us being lights, but what is that light? That light is us living righteously. That light is the word of truth. That light is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not loving their sinfulness. And that, that's really what it is. Now consider, if they have heard the gospel and rejected the gospel, they're still under the wrath of God. They're still under the wrath of God. And we are doing them no favors by lightening it up on it. We got to ask ourselves, right? It, that's why he says, "Lean not on your own understanding," but it says, "Let mercy and truth." That's one of those, but we always have to have truth. And I will just say, if you know, and as someone is going coming around you and living a, a sinful lifestyle, and they bring it up or they talk about it, and they do that, and you're, you know, and you're pointing out that that's sin. In my experience, they stop. They they stop hanging around you. Now, he brings up what we're supposed to be loving, right? He brings up, he brings up Luke, Luke chapter 6, right? And it's parallel Matthew, but Luke chapter 6, where he says, you know, bless those who persecute you, right? Do good to those who despitefully use you, right? Pray for them, okay? I do. I pray for them. I'm nice to them, even though they haven't been nice to me. I do my utmost to be at peace with them but I don't hang around with them. You know, right? That's an addition to the word of God. That's misrepresenting the word of God. We have to understand that. Consider Acts. Now, it's not always a good thing we say that here to get all your doctrinal positions from Acts. But it does show us how the Lord built the church. And when we look at the sermons there, we look at the sermons there, 
And let's just go there. This is really important. Remember, it's all about getting to know God. Well, a big part of that is God has not changed. So what is the gospel? How are we supposed to share with people? How are we supposed to live before them, live in this world of darkness that is surrounding us? And, you know, when we're pressured on all sides, and from the vast majority of the so-called church leadership, to do friendship evangelism. Okay, go to the book of Acts in chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, 23, right? Peter's given the first sermon here. <clears throat> I'll just go to verse 23. I want to point something out here. So he's in the middle of a sermon here. Him, right, the Lord Jesus Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, right? We know God's behind all things. This wasn't a plan B. It didn't catch God off guard. But you have taken an indictment. You have taken right? And by wicked hands have crucified and slain. They're wicked with what they did. He pointed out their sinfulness in the crucifixion of Christ, right? Now, he goes upon there. He keep going on in the sermon. <clears throat> Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. Now, this is the same Israelites that Paul, later writing in Romans, that his heart is for them that they would all be saved. Right? He had a heart for evangelism. He had a heart. He loved, he loved his fellow Israelites and wanted their salvation. Now, I've been saying this is Peter, right? They had the same heart. These evangelists also that you want to see people get saved. Well, Peter did too. What does Peter say here? Therefore, let all of Israel know surely that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified. Well, that sounds that doesn't sound very loving. He's pointed out their sin and their involvement in the crucifixion of Christ. Right? Both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were joyful. Does it say that? What does it say when they heard that? The indictment against them, that they, that they crucified their own Lord. They were pricked to the heart. Right? They were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then he goes on to verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Right? This sinful, this generation that's gone out of the way. This ungodly generation. It wasn't just the crucifixion of Christ. Right? It's sin. They were pricked in their hearts by what he was preaching. Go to Acts chapter 4. Another sermon. <clears throat> you know, and here he's telling them very plain out, there's no salvation in the other. There's no name given under heaven with which, you know, men must be saved. Here, well, and they're praying, this, this is the, the, the prayer, and after that they go to the prayer because they were, they were praying, they, they were ministering, and then they got arrested. 
right? But here are they praying, verse 29, And now, Lord, behold, that threatenings are granted unto thy servants, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Not loving them into the kingdom, speaking your word, sharing your gospel. By stretching forth that hands to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of that holy child Jesus. <clears throat> okay, and that was one remote from Hebrews, right? That's how he confirmed because now the change had happened from the old covenant to the new covenant, right? So he confirmed this with signs and wonders, right? He is confirming that the preaching, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the truth. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they all filled the Holy Ghost. We get in, we talk what that is. All Christians are actually filled, but it was. It was just they were filled the Holy Ghost right there. They are built up and given great boldness. That's when we pray for the grace and the power, you know, to minister. But And they spake love to all. Nope. They loved them. They wrapped their arms around non-believers. And went to their parties. Nope. They spake the word of God with boldness. And we can see that throughout, throughout Scripture. One last place. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. In chapter 5, uh, okay. Okay, verse 2. And this is speaking about, you know, in, in the church, but it goes, it, it, it does go beyond that, but just, just listen to what it says. Ephesians 5, we'll just begin in 1 here. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love. So walk in love. What's part of that? As Christ also hath loved us and had given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. So as saints, we're not supposed to have this stuff named among us, but neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things, these things and many like them, sin, <clears throat> right? Come up the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Now there's that word. They try to make that thing light, right? We should be around them light. Show them love. Well, what's the light? What is the light? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. All three of those have to be there. They're supposed to be in our lives and in our witness. And truth. And righteousness, right? Proving what is acceptable to the Lord and have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Does it say that? Amen, amen. 
and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And, you know, they want to say, like those of us in this church and other churches like ours, we're a bunch of hateful people. We just hate, hate the homosexuals and the, the transsexuals and that. No, I do hate their sin. But I love God more, and I know that I am doing them no favors by coddling them in their sin and their rebellion before God. I'm never going to win someone to the kingdom that rejects the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to win them over with my love. It says, remember that love comes with righteousness and truth. Those two got to be combined with that love. The love of God includes righteousness and telling the truth. The truth according to the word of God. All the truth. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now it isn't even secret. It used to be secret just shortly ago. But now it sits out there. Hey, they're practicing. We know it to be true. Wrap your arms around them. Let them come into the church. See, that's the thing about it. He says that building bridges, building bridges, keep those lines of communication open. We think of that answer that the man had saying who had died, you know, right? And he's sitting there in hell. And then he sees Abraham and he says, send, send him back to my brothers who are alive so they will believe, so they will have their experience this place. He said that they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced that one rise from the dead. How can we just simply put, if they will not believe the word of God, they will not believe anything. Right? If they will not believe the word of God, if they will not be, if they do not come to believe in Christ through the word of God, then we're not going to win them over. If anything, it's just going to be a false conversion. And what do we win them over? By, by watering down the word of God? By not sharing the word of God with them? You know, by, right, it simply comes, right? Share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with them. You know, reprove them if they're living openly sinful lifestyles. Tell them what they're doing is wrong. Tell them that God disapproves of that. If they want to keep hanging around you, that's great. Maybe God has opened the door for a witness there. But you don't do that by showing openness. And in this case, it's so blatant. Openness to something that God calls abominable. But it's, it's more than that. Going to a wedding of unbelievers is not a sin. Because they're not committing sin. They're being married. A man and a woman. As long as it's an actual man and an actual physical woman, fine. But if they're declaring themselves to be something they're not, right, it's trans, homo, whatever, then that's sinful. But also it's an abomination. It's unnatural. It's something that God himself calls an abomination. And it's something he uses as an example, he tells us in Jude, of ungodliness, mixing a straight fish, and also the example that he ends up with when he shows us the fall of a whole society in Romans 1. It is homosexuality. Now we're seeing that now everyone's doubling down. Now it's not just homosexuality. It's gone to transsexuality. Which is just a further doubling down on the rebellion and ungodliness and sinfulness that it is. Right, but there's a, there's a big band there. So 
we won't be seen. So we won't be seen as judgmental and critical and, right, and not having a countenance for anything. And that, that word countenance just means, right, that, you know, we, countenance, we are accepting of something. I'm not accepting of sin. I am closed-minded. I am judgmental, not condemning them, but I'm judgmental in the aspect of I say, yes, what God calls sin, I call sin. I agree with that it's sin. What God calls righteousness, I call righteousness. It is never wrong to do the right thing. <laughs> it is never wrong to do the right thing. If God calls something a sin, it's a sin, period. If God says to do something, do it. If he says not to do it, don't do it. It is that simple. It's not that we always struggle. And that's what's so horrible with this council. And I pray for All-Star Bag, and I pray we all do. Because I'm not saying that he's gone apostate. What I believe he's done is he's fallen to the influences, and they keep seeing it. It's much deeper than that, that he's compromised on homosexuality. No! He still understands it's a sin. He still believes it's a sin. What he's compromised on is the gospel. You don't love people into the kingdom. We never have been able to do it, and we never will. If that love is incongruous with sharing the gospel with them, yes, and sharing righteousness and living righteously before them, yes, that is truly a love of God. But if it means watering it down and not talking to our witness and not talking with God and being a different person than we are around our believing brethren, isn't it obvious there's something wrong with that? I saw all these people that are saying, oh, well, geez, now we should hate him. No, we pray for him. Because that's just it, remember? Deception. Deception will come in those last days. And I've seen all these men that I've respected in the last 10 years, and they are just falling into some grievous errors. They're not condoning sin. What they're doing is they're, they're being moved by society and being deceived into thinking certain things society calls sin that the Bible says are not. Dude, evil good and good evil. You know, to, to say that you, know, you participate in something that God calls them vulnerable. Talk about that. Doesn't that send a mixed message? Well, forget that grandson. You just said you're accepting. Bring a present? And, but at the same time, you're saying, but I don't disagree with your lifestyle. And by the way, I believe you're under the wrath of God, and he absolutely hates this, and this behavior is a stench in his nostrils. But here's $100. Go have a good time. You know, here's whatever, right? Go ahead, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. 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 I saw that. Yeah, and it shows a man, a man like Alistair Begg with his knowledge of scripture. I find it ironic that the last thing he said, if you go watch it, it's about 32 minutes long. It's actually a September interview he was given on his station Truth for Life, being interviewed about his new book, uh, Christian Manifesto. And he finished off saying, oh, it's a fine line we walk. <laughs> it's not that fine. It is not a fine line we walk. We are pressured. We are pressured to constantly step over the line God has set. Right? And we're promisingly deceived, saying, oh, for instance, I so much want to see my mother and my youngest brother come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I do. But they don't want much to do with me. And I've been reproved greatly. Well, they both confess Christ. They've yet, in over 20 years, shown one iota of fruit. But when I called them out on that and asked them, well, don't you even... I got violently attacked. My point is, you know, my point is, right, because I was part of that originally in that, you know, but I, I've, I've corrected that. I went to it. I realized what I did. And that is one. I just said, hey, Mom, won't you pray with me? doesn't matter to pray. That prayer doesn't save you. They have to believe. Now, if you say that prayer... Believingly, well, you've already believed. You already are saved. A prayer, Lord, come into my life. He's not coming into your life because you pray. He comes into your life when you believe. But he only and you only believe once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, just like he says in John 3, the wind blows where it lists, right? Just the Holy Spirit comes upon us, opens our eyes, we believe. By the word of God. Always accompanied with the word of God. But what's so scary about this, he ironic about this, he finished off, yes, yes, let not many of us be teachers. That to me is ironic. Because in my opinion, he, he didn't even know it. The words he spoke right there. Remember we talked about the Lord, even the answer from the tongue is from the Lord. Let not many be teachers. Why? Because we'll be held to a higher account. That is sinful advice. He advised that grandmother to go sin against God. To violate her conscience, right? To go against her conscience and what she believed to be right, because what she believed, she was alive with scripture, but she was being pulled by her emotions and her love for her grandson. And so she calls looking for godly counsel, looking for a man of God, looking for an elder, a teacher that she had listened to and trusted to give her good counsel. And he tells her, go and present a gift. Go violate your conscience. The Bible says to never do. Don't violate your conscience. There's a reason God gave it to us. But she was being actually informed of the word of God, and she, she did the right thing. What Alistair, Pastor Alistair Begg did was grossly wrong. Horrible counsel. Horrible counselor. And we should all pray. I pray Alistair Begg do repent. He's doubled down. He's doubled down. American Family Radio removed him. You know, from the 14,000 stations his truth or life was played on. Because he's doubled down. He will not recant. To this moment, as far as I know, and according to Justin Peters also from just yesterday, he will not change his position on this. 
So we need to pray for that man, but others like him, because the deception is real. The deception is real. Remember, it, people get this wrong. The bigger issue is not, is not just whether or not I should attend a gay ceremony or a transsexual ceremony. It's presenting the gospel and living for Christ. What that really means, what sharing the gospel really is. And we share the gospel according to all scripture tells us to share the gospel. Not by man-made wisdom. Let us not lean on our own understanding. Okay, with that, does anyone have anything they'd like to say or a question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. Amen. Amen. You know, what's so important, I just got to bring up this story in the head because, boy, I had a lot of disagreement, but honey, you remember years ago I was in another church and I was leading a Bible study there with, with, with another man. You know, and they were talking this friendship evangelism, that it's all right to, you know, to go into a bar or even a house of prostitution and start preaching the gospel. And then Sean got up in their face and said, what are you doing? They'll come out. You're going to run into them times when they're not drunk. They're not committing. They're, they're not, you know, in the process of committing grievous sin. Then you reach them, I guarantee you, in that I doubt whatever they're sharing with us is actual gospel. I'll tell you, I'd be pretty bold to walk up with a guy who's sitting there, you know, like cheating on his wife, slamming down a bunch of whiskeys and being a drunk and saying, hey, hey, uh, do you know you're a sinner under the wrath of God? <laughs> they need to know that. They need to hear the bad news. I'll tell you what they're telling them. Hey, God loves you. Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life. And not even in mentioning the gospel. Not, not watered down at all, but mentioning, telling them what the gospel is. That he died for our sins, and we must believe in the person and finished work of Christ. And you must believe that. So anyway, with that, let us close in a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit you have given us all who have believed on the testimony of your Son. We thank you that you saved us, you justified us. You've not only wiped our slate clean, but you've imputed the very righteousness of God upon us. The very righteousness of our Lord and Savior upon us. And we are forgiven and clean in your sight, and we thank you. All because of what you have done. And we know you are a holy, righteous God, and we know you are also a God who is merciful and full of loving kindness, willing to pardon. Who even claims out, you know, come unto me. You know, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. 
but we don't go to them, they must come. Right? You even tell them over and over and over again when you lay down your church. Right? Repent and believe the gospel. It means changing a course of mind. But it's believing the gospel. Not being loved into the kingdom. Oh, Father, we think of our brother Alistair Bag, and I, I do believe, you ultimately know that he is still a brother. I'm not about, I haven't gone to the point of calling him an apostate. But this, he has been deceived. He has given horrible counsel. He's believing a lie. We pray that you would grant him repentance, that you open up his eyes, that you'd give him wisdom and understanding to know that he has been hanging around and he has received wrong advice, bad counsel from whomever he's hanging around with. And we pray for his church because apparently the other elders, the other associates in the church have agreed right along with them. We do not follow men, we follow God. We follow you. Father, we pray for this church. Father, give the eldership here, give the men here, Father, wisdom and understanding that we may not be led astray, that we may not be deceived, that we may see any and all errors and you would correct them, Lord, that we would more and more and more in all our ways walk in things in keeping with your good, acceptable, and perfect will, pleasing you in all things, Lord. Lord, your will be done. We pray for the upcoming service, Lord. Your will be done. May you be glorified through the preaching, Lord. And may your word which goes out bring about its your desired effect with it, Lord, that your people here will be strengthened and lifted up and counseled and grow by it, and that any lost sheep who would hear it would be found through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.